0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the True North Podcast. I'm your host, Benedict Rhodes. I've got another great episode for you today as I'm joined by Canadian Paralympic champion runner, Nate Reiche. Over the next half an hour or so, we're going to dive into his incredibly successful career on the track, including his experiences at Tokyo 2020 and how he's preparing to try and defend his title in Paris next summer. We'll also discuss his family's incredible sporting history, his upbringing, and some of the work he's doing to make a difference for other people with traumatic brain injuries. All of that and more on this episode 11 of the True North Podcast. Hope you enjoy this great discussion. I'm very excited now to be joined by the reigning Paralympic champion in the men's T38 1500 meter event. And I'm, of course, talking about the great Canadian middle distance runner, Nate Reich. Uh, Nate, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and thanks for taking the time to join the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, first things first, have you got used to hearing that title yet? You know, Being a Paralympic champion it takes a lot of work, obviously, but... sure never gets old hearing
1: it yeah it always it always feels great hearing it but uh i don't feel like you ever get used to it i don't know maybe other people feel a different way but uh for me it just sounds like wait is that really me uh because it's just something you know i dreamed about for so long
0: uh we'll get more into tokyo 2020 in a moment but uh you know first of all about a month ago competed in paris at the uh the world para-athletics championships gold medal again 1500 meters uh first of all, congratulations. Uh but maybe just walk us through that competition and what that kind of week or so in Paris looked like.
1: Yeah, I know so. We were in Spain a couple weeks before we end up heading to Paris. And uh honestly, things weren't going according to plan. Like like I was hitting my workouts well, but I was getting some pretty bad tightness in my hamstring. Um I think just after getting off a of plane uh with a coordination impairment, it just Sometimes it it just takes uh, a while and, and, you know, there's no actual like, oh, it takes X days to get recovered. So it just kind of, uh, you know, you just play this little game. Um, And then as I got closer and closer, it got feeling better. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't in the back of my head. Um, And also I feel like I just put some extra pressure on myself because my girlfriend, my mom, my girlfriend's mom and my aunt were there and first time any of them had seen me run in, internationally. So I really wanted to just personally step my game up and uh, hopefully put a show on and uh, make it a fun race and obviously hopefully win. And, uh, you know, I was really nervous the, the morning of, I remember I threw up a little bit the morning of, which I had never done before. Um, and so, um yeah, I was like, Oh boy, here we go. I really hope I'm not getting sick, which I wasn't Thank Thank goodness. I was just super nervous. And Yeah, the race went off really slow. Um, Some guy went out, I guess, technically fast, but he does that every championship. So we just kind of let him go. Um, And the plan was to every lap to just kind of slowly crank it up. Um, There was three Australians behind me. They were hammering the crap out of me. I was getting clipped uh, almost every stride, it seemed like. Uh, And then with about 500 meters to go, I really turned it up. And then it ended up being just me and one of the one of the Aussies and uh with uh 200 to go I kind of laid a trap where I want I didn't want to lead the whole last 200 because you never want to be the hunted you want to be the hunter for sure um and so he passed me 200 to go and then I just sat on his shoulder and uh really digging deep with 80 to go and I may have celebrated a little bit uh the last 40 meters and uh I lost my mind with definitely 20 meters to go
0: uh, how important as well was it to, to kind of book your spot to go back to Paris next year, of course, with the victory? How exciting is it to get that done and, and know, know you're heading back to Paris in a year to defend that Paralympic title?
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 super awesome. Uh, I always like doing a little test run in the in the area. It's just nice when you're more comfortable. Obviously, things would be a little bit easier because it'll be in the village. Uh, you know, we were in a hotel and had to get a, you know, had to either walk or uh get a shuttle to the track every day that wasn't always consistent. Um, so I think the games, you know, they'll be a little bit better. And uh, but honestly, uh, the meet was awesome. Um, to be honest with you, it was, I mean, we had 10,000 fans in the stands a day, which is prepare for people know for para track and field for para athletics that does not happen unless you're in London. So that was really cool to see. And yeah, I'm super excited to go. Uh, defend my title it was a way harder race than in the past uh, so you know that that's super exciting it means that the sport's evolving and I think when you know when someone breaks a barrier like when I broke three, 350 I'm sure five or guys were like well I can do that so now they're you know going to do that so I I think it always makes it fun when you see people just getting so much better
0: And uh, last time you and I spoke was a few months before Tokyo, Um, and and we spoke about how the games have been obviously postponed and how that's kind of affecting your preparation for those games. Uh, Looking back, what do you remember about the months leading up to Tokyo and maybe needing to get a bit creative with how you trained and how you prepared, I guess, for the games?
1: Yeah, no, I was uh, like, I'm in a very small percentage where I was super lucky, uh, you know, being at the hub. I think uh you know you saw after that Tokyo games a lot of people moving to the hub just because there's just the resources are just um un- unbelievable and luckily my coach is you know the hub coach so uh things were a bit easier we did have to get a little creative with the weight room uh you know we just had some weights on the infield um, so some of that stuff was a little bit creative cuz i my weight program's different from all of my teammates just cuz i do a lot of balance work and um not a lot of heavy lifting i do some heavy lifting but just not not very often a lot of med ball throws so i think i don't have the you know i just can't get a bar and uh do my lift there's a lot of little things that i need so um that was pretty challenging and there was a point in time where i couldn't see my coach for a couple weeks and we really had to follow that because she is you know uh aflex canada affiliated it's not like she's just you know a coach for a club um so that made that a little harder um but like if you look at the buildup, as in like how i felt in tokyo i felt way better like i like i had no like uh tightness in my hamstring no like hiccups come up um but you know i think it's, it's almost more fun when it does uh those things come up obviously I'm, i i won so maybe you can say uh, that's why i say that but um you know i think you can just learn more about yourself
0: and, uh, the race itself in Tokyo, I think it's fair to say you were in control of it for quite a, quite a bit of it. Um, he lowered the Paralympic record by 15 seconds, I believe, and had a pretty good gap, I guess, as reached the finish line. Uh, what were your tactics going in and how did that race maybe compare to your expectations going in?
1: Yeah, it didn't go to my expectations at all. Um, you know, Dion Kenzie from Australia had just run really close to me time-wise and, uh, I planned between 800 and 600 to make a big move. And honestly, I think I just caught them by, by, by surprise. A lot of times people say they're going to do things and the nerves get to them or the, the big lights come on and you just don't do it. It's really hard to actually execute on that day uh, performance on demand. And uh, I kind of did what I said I was going to do. And uh, I think they just didn't think that. And then it's not, it seemed like they all kind of ran for second place um because i had a pretty big gap and to go and couch me at that point they would have had to burn a lot of energy um so i think they were kind of playing yeah playing that game for second and third um but i kept i don't know if like if the viewer like realized it or noticed it i kept looking up at the screen because i just couldn't believe it i was like how am i and i didn't run it like the first up was 64 and i just said i'm gonna run another 64 and i ran another 64 and there was no one around um, and so yeah, I was just so shocked. Like, what is going on? Why is no one with me? Um, and there was two or three guys that could have been with me. So I think like I spent a lot being like, what is going on? And I just had to snap myself out of that like Nate, you gotta win a race, like go and go and take this to them.
0: And uh, you know, you were of course a world record holder in that event and, and got close to it in Tokyo. Uh had the weather been better, do you think the world record might have been in play?
1: I'm not sure um i think if i ran harder maybe it would have been in play um i definitely celebrated the last lap probably a bit more than i should have um but i don't know for me it's like i've said i want to set the world record at the paralympic games but like i'm not super bummed if i don't um i hope i hope that makes it like at the end of the day like i'm not a good time trialer i'm just i'm i'm not i I believe i'm a good racer Uh, i've been like all right you need to get top three or you need to win like those are the races i'm the i'm better at um so yeah i try i obviously say i want to do that and i really do but um i'm not bummed um if if it doesn't happen but i think it's going to take a pretty special performance to win in in paris this next year
0: and uh you know when the, when the medals uh being presented to you and you know, i step onto the podium receive that medal hear the anthem what was that moment like for you
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, so surreal. I mean, I think, you know, Worlds is really cool when you do that. But just the games, is just so different. And I can't imagine how it it will be with fans in the stands. You know, I can't. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be so surreal. And I I thought I would be thinking of all the hard work that I put in, uh, you know, that entire time that the anthem was going. But honestly, I just thought about all the people that made sacrifices for me, like my coach, my mom. Uh, my entire team and, uh, you know, and that's where my emotion came from. And and at the end of the day, like other than serving your country in war, there's no other, there's no better feeling in my opinion than representing your country and finishing on top. And so um, that's something that's, uh, I'm very prideful of and I just feel so lucky.
0: You mentioned the, the no fans in the stands, how different do you think that's going to be in Paris? You know, mentioned having your, your family and your support team, you know, there to watch you compete.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely believe that I'm better when the when the when the lights are on. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people just say they go like they don't hear anything when they race. Um, I hear I definitely hear my mother when I race. She's very, very loud. Um, I heard her a couple of times during my race in Paris. Um, I think it'll just get people more amped and I think and just more eyes on the sport at the at the end of the day. I think that was the only disappointing thing about. Tokyo. To be honest with you, like I've gotten more texts, more social media shoutouts from Paris than I did from Tokyo. Um, you know, which is you know, in the and Paralympic Games is so much bigger than the actual world 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 championships is. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what that looks like. And I'm I heard it's going to be almost sold out uh, almost every day, which will be super super cool. And uh, hopefully, I can go run to my family again. And uh, after hopefully, I win.
0: Um. If I'm not mistaken, you also currently hold the the world records in the 800 and, and the 5,000 meters. Uh, is it frustrating at all to you that those events aren't on the Paralympic program, and or have you thought about running the four? Like, what, what are your thoughts on those?
1: Yeah, so I actually just lost the 5K uh, earlier this year, but I still have the eight. I just re I just re the eight the other day. Um, but uh, frustration. I don't know if that's the correct word. Um, I would love it if they would put it in, especially the eight. The eight not necessarily the 5k I don't really like the 5k at all it's a long time be to be running um, I thought about doing the four as uh, you probably know Zach uh, is one of my best friends and uh, was my roommate for three years and he runs the four and uh, I feel like he has he's, he's he's doing his job down there so I don't really feel like I have to. Uh, go down and run that but i know all of the para boys want to go run a 400 at nationals next year possibly and just i mean we have about eight guys who run like 50 points so i think it would be really fun if we could just line up and uh have all of us race and maybe get maybe get some prize money find a sponsor that'll uh throw some cash our way
0: that sounds that sounds awesome uh turning the page a little bit uh about a week ago the the canadian national trials were taking place in, in langley and your younger brother uh max came away with the win in the men's under 20 decathlon what was that experience like for you watching him compete and, and being there to sort of soak it all in with him
1: yeah it was it was so weird almost to be there for two reasons like i was obviously there to compete um, but on my personal side it more seemed like i was there to uh, like take pictures with people and sign and sign autographs and just like talk to people about paris uh, my race was important to me but at the end of the day like i already accomplished everything that i wanted to that year and so honestly i was really there for max uh we were in victoria the week before uh prepping and uh that's what he wanted to do and so i uh, i wanted to fly home but he's like let's go to victoria and i'm like perfect let's do that um and so he had great prep uh and i knew there was a good chance he was, he was going to win i'd be lying to you if i if if I didn't say that, um, yeah, and it, it it was really long days, uh, but it was really cool. He's such a track nerd, um, and so it was really cool to see how pumped he was. He got to meet Damian Warner. Damian Warner, I wouldn't call him like a friend. Like I, I wish Damian Warner was a friend of mine, um, but I think we just mutually respect each other a lot. Um, and so he was throwing disc, and he saw me, and he kind of waved, and then came over and said and said hi to Max because Damian knows how much max means to me uh so that was really cool and I think I I told my coach Heather I peaked as a brother there's no way I will ever be any cooler doesn't matter how many medals I win I got to introduce him to uh Dan Warner and Pierce Lepage so I think uh my I, th- I think I'm done as a brother now but uh and then just to see him 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 win and uh, the 1500 was, was pretty off. You know, it's always, uh, poetic to see him finish with the 15 and just absolutely crush it. And, uh, of course he did his screaming at the end as my family does. I have three other siblings on my mom's side and she posted a picture of us literally doing the same celebration every time we win. So, uh, that was pretty funny. And then just, to, I think the coolest thing for me was to hear the, the, the recount from him. You know, it's one thing to watch it and like, oh, I think he didn't do good there. I think he did really good there. But to really hear his feedback was super cool. And honestly, his his post on social media, uh, he gave me a lot of credit. Uh, I don't think I deserve that credit, but uh, it's always cool when someone who means so much to you uh, tells them tells you how much how much uh, your your hard work towards them has meant.
0: But wish my brother introduced me to Damien Warner. <laughs> <laughs> um your your family for those who listen they don't know as you kind of mentioned there have a, an incredible history in sports you know both parents were lead athletes grandfather played 300 games in the nhl your cousin competed at two olympics uh what kind of lessons and experiences have you been able to take from them and at the same time how important is it to you to be able to write your own story
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think on one hand they taught me how to work hard but they didn't have to I didn't actually have to tell me. I got to see it every day. I think that was really cool. And the one thing that I think has benefited me the most in my career is to win the day, get up early, and really go at it. Don't wait till four o'clock in the afternoon to go and get your training in. And so I think that's one thing that uh, I really uh, have benefited from throughout my career. And I all I anyone who knew me younger and. Uh, my life knew that I always said I wanted to be different. You know, I didn't think I was going to get head and head with the golf ball and that actual twist, uh, or, uh, pivot would have been done for me, but it certainly was. And I'm just really happy that I have paved my own path. And I think that's the way that Max feels as well, because, uh, you know, I thought he would not like, like, Everyone's saying, Oh, you're Nate's brother, but I don't know. He just loves it. He thinks it's awesome, um, which is really cool. Um, But, and I'm happy he's paving his own path. And I think, I think you never want to be in someone's shadow, but we're also so proud of each other. So it's not like we're like, if someone, if Max gets more medals than me, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. Like, I'll be super pumped. And um, I mean, sure, I'll give him some banter at the table to let him know that I have a Paralympic gold, gold medal and he only has a national title. But, um, you know, that's just kind of how our family is.
0: And uh, I remember last time we spoke, you mentioned, you know, you didn't know it wasn't normal that people's parents didn't get up at five in the morning to do wind sprints in the, in the street outside. Uh, how much of, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, seeing it rather than being told you need to work hard. How much does something like that, you know, and being from an environment where, hard work is, is you know around you all the time um does how, how that kind of uh, helps you i guess as an athlete
1: yeah so like just competition is just something we do in our family like it's and it's like it's okay to fail in our family like people would think that oh like you must get absolutely chewed at and like no not no not really if you run really bad and you give up yes you get your butt chewed out 100 percent. but if you give it everything you have and you fail it's fine and i think we learned to fail in a very safe environment which was really beneficial because i'm like oh I can fail, but winning's way more fun. So why don't I just go out there and try my best to win? And if, if I fail, I fail. And we're just, yeah, like I said, we're so competitive like anything, like push-ups in the middle of a football game or playing cornhole outside. You better believe we make a trophy and uh, that person gloats for the whole entire year about how they won the cornhole tournament. So I think uh, we just try and make it as fun as possible. But, you know, I think if you just get used to competing in everything that you do, I think it just just becomes a habit. And I think that's one thing that you've really seen in in my family and one thing my parents have done such a great job of.
0: And uh, I'd also like to ask you a bit about the uh, things you do off the track as well. You know, you mentioned the uh, the incident with, with the golf ball. And, and I know one thing you've been striving to do for years is, is help other people with, with traumatic brain injuries. Uh, can you speak a bit about that and some of the things you've been doing off the track? I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would love to get some sponsors on board with this, but I would, I just really want to be an advocate and a spokesperson for in, invisible disabilities, TBI, PTSD, and and mental health. I think it's sometimes um those can be the most debilitating injuries, and I'm not saying that those are worse than a uh, blade or getting amputated or being blind but I think sometimes when people don't see those things they just think you're completely quote-unquote normal and sometimes when people don't know what you're going to through those that's the hardest things and for me I didn't have a kid growing up or someone to look up to that had a TBI and so and I just moved kind of awkwardly and I stuttered really bad and just kind of no one I saw in my uh around me was that and so Uh, I just hope that I can motivate and inspire that next generation of Paralympic athletes. And honestly, it doesn't just have to be Paralympic athletes because I'm happy to anyone who I can inspire. I'm, I'm, I'm totally game. And I know there's been this kind of talk with Paralympic athletes saying like, Oh, like um, inspiration, like, I don't want to be inspirational. And and for me, like uh, I think my story can be inspirational. Me running fast probably isn't that, inspirational but i think of the overcoming of obstacles no matter who you are is inspiring and i don't think that's a bad thing and so maybe i'm on the ladder on that one maybe i'm uh, on an island by myself but um that's something that i truly believe in and if you're not trying to leave the next generation better off than what what i had uh, like what are we doing
0: and, uh, you know, I know you had a pretty cool encounter with a young man from from Norway who looked up to you when you were in, in Dubai and, and had a chance to race against him. Uh, what was that experience like meeting and racing against him?
1: Yeah, he's a he, he's a great kid. He's he's awesome. So I want to say it was five years ago he had messaged me and just said, Nate, you're so inspiring to me um, and uh, I would love to meet you someday. And I think maybe he thought that I would message back and I sent him a, a very long message back and just kind of. Uh, encouraging him to really work hard and paying attention to the little things. That's usually what I talk about to those younger athletes. And I honestly didn't think I would ever race him because he was so young and I didn't know how long I would be actually in the sport. And I was sitting down with one of my teammates, Tom Normando, who's one of my best friends. And uh, we're going through the heat sheets. And I was like, ah, oh, this guy from Norway, that name is super, super familiar. Um, and then, uh, I looked up I'm like, oh, crap, that's the kid that messaged me five years ago. So I DM'd him, said, hey, man, you want to go for a shakeout together the day before the race? He was, was like, oh, that would be so awesome. So we shook out and just kind of chatted. And uh, then I actually saw him again at the World Championships. And unfortunately, he didn't have the race he really wanted to. And he actually like kind of embraced me after the race and got cried a little bit. And just uh, I just once again, just encouraged him and told him, I mean, how many times I finished. I don't think he finished last, but how many times I finished last, last place in a, in a race and conference championship in college, I finished last almost every time. And so just to let him know that, hey, your time's around the corner. I mean, he's like 18 years old or 17. So, I mean, he'll be back. I'm sure he'll be crushing it super soon. He's super passionate about the sport, which is, I think, one thing that attracts me to him uh, is that he's just so positive and just seems to love the sport. And uh, I, I'm sure he'll be a friend for, for the rest of my life.
0: And how important as well is that's sort a of butterfly effect that'll come from that, you know, like he'll maybe inspire the next generation after after him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I I think that's the big point, right? Is just to, uh, it 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 it's, it doesn't matter about me. It's about us just making the sport better uh, and just putting a spotlight on things that we want to change. Sure, we want to make more money this year at nationals. Um, I don't know how many people, but there was a prize money for the para team uh based on their performance on this on the scoring system and that's the first time that i know of that we've gotten paid for national which is awesome because ac can't pay for or they don't pay for anything for our travel or our uh, accommodations so that's huge that's almost you know uh paying for our trip and maybe a little extra over for our for our training so i think really advocating for those things and you know i think so sometimes for athletes we can really go at school for not supporting us but i think when people do support us, it's really important to also shed light on that because yes, it's I think it's $1,500 or $1,250. Um, it might not seem a lot to a lot of people, but we gotta start somewhere and we're getting money. And that's, I mean, probably about $25,000 if you put all the, whoever gets paid, thanks to $25,000 $25, purse, that's a lot of money. Um, and so I think, and if they see the kickback, um, then I think that'll just continue, continue to grow. And so I'm super proud that uh, we're trying, trying to see waves there. And, uh, yeah, I feel super lucky to be part of it.
0: There's uh, about 12 months now until Paris 2024 comes back around. What is your schedule and training plans to look like in the coming months as we inch closer and closer again to heading back to France?
1: Oh, man, it's crazy. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be absolutely insane. I split my time uh, pretty close to 50-50 between Victoria and Georgia. I'm sure I'll be in Victoria A lot more this year Uh, my girlfriend I just moved my girlfriend into law school uh, the other day so she's gonna be very busy and so um, yeah I'm sure I'll be up there quite a bit Uh, I know we'll go to St. Moritz Switzerland and Barcelona Spain prior to the championships I always go to Flagstaff every year in April and so those are kind of the the big trips for me Um, I want to do the Canadian tour almost strictly um, I'll do maybe one race in California, but I really love the Canadian tour. They, they treat the athletes so well. Um, Chris Winter at Athletics Canada has been killing it. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to, you know, really go there and hopefully show other para, para athletes that you don't have to go to, to the U S to, to, to compete, stay in the, stay in, stay in the country. And, uh, let's try and run fast and really build this, uh, this tour.
0: Uh, are you heading down to Santiago for the Parapanams?
1: I am not. Um, it's not. I wouldn't call it a development for for para uh, athletics. It's. I think they're taking people who don't have as much experience. Um, and so for me, uh, it just didn't make sense. And it is right in the middle of American Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm sure you've gathered my family means a lot to me. And so uh, if I don't have to, that's something that I would prefer not to miss. And also there's world championships in Kobe, Japan in May, which is crazy that we have a world and a paralympics in the same year. And I'll be going to that. Um so I think I had to pick up two out of the three to go to. I don't think I don't think going to all three would benefit me. So uh I decided to unfortunately forego that and not get any of that sweet Lululemon lemon gear. Um but uh I'll be going to uh yeah to uh Kobe in Paris. Uh, no.
0: Does, does there being just three years between Tokyo and Paris affect how you prepare at all? Like I know some athletes are big on the four-year cycle, and obviously last time was five years. Now it's three years. Does that sort of affects your preparation at all? I
1: think Para was a little lucky because we didn't have a World Championships that first year after Tokyo, so we got technically a down year. Like, I ran my best of ever run, but like honestly, like I was having fun with my girlfriend, going out with her on the weekends spending time with family and so I almost felt like I got like a mental break from the whole year and I think able-bodied athletes have had world championships every year leading into the uh, Olympics and on the other side as well so I think for them uh, it might be a bit a bit tougher for me it's fine um, but uh, I've also been doing this for I mean like 18 years so I feel like uh, I've kind of figured out what works for me I'm still learning for sure but and I kind of just stick, you know, with what works with me. And I have the same coach, you know, the last five years, which just makes it easier. You just kind of just slowly, you know, tinkering with things. But, um, you no, know, for me, it's great. And I actually kind of like that it's soon.
0: And, uh, you know, coming into into Paris, uh, what lessons are you maybe taking from Tokyo and, and sort of applying to this next – your second time going around?
1: Uh, definitely going to know that nerves are going to come. Um, and World Championship in 2019, I had no nerves. I was dancing, singing before the race. I'm a horrible dancer and a singer. Um, but for some reason in Tokyo, I got so nervous. I think it was like the realization that everything I've ever dreamed of was on the line. And I, unfortunately, I just never dreamed of winning a world championship. It just wasn't something that was on my mind. Um, and But obviously, the Games was. And so I think just being there and doing it, there's something trying to do it, you know, is way harder, you know, cause you just don't know what it feels like to be there and you get nervous. You Sometimes you find yourself like looking at other people, see how they're warming up and like, who cares how they warm up, like do your own thing. And so I think just all that smoke, the s- smoke and mirrors and all that stuff, you just like forget about. And I think being it your first time, you just are so like, it's so cool. And so uh, for me, uh, you know, to just make sure that I, don't uh go into that same mindset and as well as at the end i want to enjoy it like i want to spend a couple of days in paris and then hopefully a week over there thereafter and just enjoy it because i think that's something us athletes are horrible at is actually enjoying it I'm sure we talk about enjoying the process all the time but what we go out for a dinner i go out for a coffee and we're like woo yeah we're we're really living on the edge we just got a we just got out of a hotel and got a coffee um so you know i just really want to enjoy go do some sightseeing after the race spend some time with my partner and my family and uh so i think that's another thing that i want to do a better job better job as well
0: i won't ask you a singer singer dance here on the show but uh just to end things off let's have a bit of fun uh with a classic rapid fire round uh you know, five questions just give me whatever comes to your mind okay perfect awesome uh number one is which other canadian athlete or athletes do you enjoy watching and cheering for at the moment um,
1: uh, marissa paps is, would be the one that that first comes to mind
0: um if you could try any other sport that you've never tried before which one would it be
1: wheelchair basketball uh
0: you're a british columbia guy as you mentioned what's one place everyone listening to has to go to if they visit or live in bc
1: Victoria, British Columbia. Oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> uh, Let's say you're having a, a nice relaxing night. You know, it's going to kick back and, and put on the TV. What movie or show are you putting on?
1: Uh, Lincoln Lawyer.
0: And uh, finally, you're obviously a middle distance guy, but would you rather compete in the 100 or the marathon?
1: Oh, 100, no doubt. If I was fast enough to, to do the 100, you can bet my butt would be in there.
0: All right. uh, Nate, it's been a pleasure speaking to you as always, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Nate for joining the show, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check out past episodes of the show as well, including conversations with Stephen Brunt, Devin Haru, Christine Girard, Byron McDonald, and so much more. If you enjoyed the show and want to be the first person to listen to future shows and read all of my written content as well, Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts or at truenorthsports.substack.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at North underscore sport and on Instagram and TikTok at truenorthsport. I've been your host, Benedict Rhodes. Thank you so much for listening.